Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 84th episode. I'm again, I'm joined by Andy, our tech guy at GPS Training. Welcome, Andy, to this special GPS Training Podcast. I'm not all special. <laughs> yeah. See, I must give people a bit of a heads up here. Andy and I, I think this is the first time we've properly spoken all day. It's now two o'clock in the afternoon. We're both our heads down. There's lots been going on in the world of GPS training. And uh, as we're going to discuss in the podcast, it's the first time Andy and I both lifted our heads and looked at each other and said, we need to go and do this, Andy. Yeah. So here we are. Have you been up too much over the last month, Andy? Tested lots of new products. That doesn't even cover what we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. in some respects. But yeah, um, we've had a lot of new things going on, which we're going to talk about. So out walking, hiking, running with a lot of these new things. And you were all ready for two weeks on Saturday. If people don't know, it is... The annual Spine Challenger race. Andy will be leading the way. Um, we'll, have a, we'll have a mid-month podcast, yeah. actually, where Andy tells me what I need to know to compete in this event. If people don't know, the Spine Challenge race is a 109-mile uh, walk stroke run along the first 108 miles, sorry, along the first 108 miles of the Pennine Way. Andy did it last year. I'm joining him this year. Well, we're both doing yeah. the same event. Um, so in a couple of weeks' time, the week before, we'll do a podcast and he can um, give me his wisdom of what he learned last time. <laughs> Get past the 90 miles. I didn't quite finish last year. So this year, I've just got to do 18 miles more and that'll be it. Easy, <laughs> easy set. Just <laughs> and the 90 before. Yeah, as long as I can do it. Well, I've done the 90 before. So, yeah, so we're both doing the Spine Challenger South in what'll be just a couple of weeks' time. Two weeks on Saturday. So, yeah, I suppose... The podcast comes out tomorrow, which is a Thursday, and therefore two weeks tomorrow we'll both be travelling down to the Peak District for our registration. Registration, we? get all my kit tested and checked, so not tested, checked at the, the check-in. No pressure, yeah. no pressure, nope. it's fast approaching. But again, we'll do a podcast um, in the middle of the month all about that. In this month's podcast, we discover the new Garmin Epix Pro Gen 2 and Phoenix 7 Pro which has just been launched, well, it is yesterday, as you listen to the podcast, or today, as it is today. This is why the podcast has been delayed right to the last minute. We talk then about the Garmin GPS Map 67 and eTrex SE. What have we learned about them today? Two new GPS units. We've been both using them and walking them, so we're just going to give you our um, our thoughts on it after, what, I suppose, six or eight weeks since it was launched. Then the Motorola Defy, the satellite link, um, I was out with the guys um, this time, well, last week, so again, I've seen that product in action, which is quite exciting. We talked a little bit about chorus watches, so you now Andy's been, um, well, we've both got chorus watches in our wrists at the moment, um, and we've been working um, a lot with, um, but yeah, some pros and cons of that. And then finally, we've got Andy's top tips. So without further ado, let's get on with this month's GPS training podcast. <music> The first story is the Garmin Epix Pro Gen 2 and Phoenix 7 Pro, which was launched yesterday um, or today as we record the podcast. So as people don't know, um, there's currently two ranges of watches, which are the Phoenix range and the Epix range, Andy, and they've been updated um, the yeah the last day of um, May. So they're Garmin's like, top-end, uh, what we would call multi-activity 
uh, navigational smart watches are doing many things you know the range, there's such a big range of watches out there we concentrate on the ones that are really used for the navigation out in the hills as well as the fitness side of things so it really is the multi-activity watches that we're looking at with the color screens within the epics and the phoenix 7 range we'll do it the opposite way normally we start off with phoenix but we're going to start off with epics because i think epics has had the biggest change um well epics and the Tell us about the Epics range of watches. Oh, well, we only had one before, did we, the Genesis? Yeah, so with the Epics one before, we only had the one size. And it's basically a, a, an outdoor watch with an AMOLED screen, so a really bright screen. So when you look at a lot of the smart watches, like let's take an Apple watch. You know, a lot of people wear Apple watches. Other makes are available. Um, people like it because of the bright screen. But normally you have a little trade-off with battery life not being as good with these watches that have the bright AMOLED screens. So what was great when Garmin brought out the first Epics um, Generation 2, it's got a bright AMOLED screen but had great battery life. Not as long as the Phoenix 7 watches, but still a great battery life for that bright screen and all the normal features we expect of an outdoor watch for navigation when maps, turn-by-turn routing, follow courses, get a grid reference, mark waypoints. And then added on to that all the smart features, listen to music, get all your health stats, all your heart rate data, all your fitness stats, just so much, you know, it does an awful lot in that one watch. So what they've launched, um, or just launched, is that same watch now available in three different sizes. So that's the first thing. We, we don't just have the one size now, we have the three sizes. It's quite interesting, because in the past we always had the S range, which was the smaller wrists. We had the X range, which was the large um, watch, and then we just had the, the normal version. But with the Epics, they've now changed to measure in millimeters. So we've now got a 42 millimeter, 47 millimeter, and 51 millimeter, which is going to confuse me, Andy, going forward. Yeah. I actually, after Saturday this morning, had a presentation by Garmin um, just before it was launched at lunchtime. And even he was getting confused when he comes the S version, that's the 42, 43 millimeter, 42 millimeter. Um, yeah, so it's exactly the same. If people have looked at the previous Phoenix, it's exactly the same but um, sizes, but now we're calling it the 42 millimeter, 47 millimeter, and 50. And this is the Epix. So we're talking about the Epix Pro and the corner of the Epix Pro, that's important. So the, the Epix that we were stocking was the Epix Generation 2, so it was just Epix Gen 2 one size the important bit now is epics pro and then gen 2 and then as john said we won't be whereas in the phoenix range we used to have the s the one that didn't have a letter after it in the x i think it, once we get used to it will be easier it's going to be epics pro gen 2 42 mil same again 47 mil same again 51 millimeter so three differences well the key difference really is battery life isn't it so the larger the watch the better the battery life and that's what the big change is in this isn't it so as you say 16 18 days traditionally we used to get out of the um epics gen 2 but now we've got the smaller version with worse battery life so this is wearing it just as a watch the full specs we're just putting the products on our website at the moment so if you go onto the full specs we have all the listens for what you get with gps and when you're recording activities but just actually wearing it as an everyday watch using smart features and the heart rate as john's mentioned 10 days on the 42 mil 16 days on the 47 mil and 31 days on the 51 mil it's a big jump that in it 31 days really i think that's very impressive yeah uh, for well an extra four millimeters yeah 
which yeah. is it's all down to the size of batteries isn't yeah. it with these putting products a, putting a bigger battery in and you know it's got my favourite feature that you all laughed about when they brought it out on the Phoenix 7X you know I did smile this morning in the presentation did, loads, when man. they said it's got a built in flashlight, flashlight which was Andy's big reason for going for the 7X um, and yeah. now every watch has the flashlight in yeah people you know to be honest some people do look at it as a bit gimmicky but the amount of times I've been doing things in the dark I'm not, not necessarily hiking or what but just at home you're suddenly looking for something where's the light again um, I need to get a light on quickly I'm just trying to find something don't want to wake people up if I'm if I go into my daughter's bedroom in the night time to get something don't you know just oh watches on my wrist and just a double tap of a button flashlight on um, actually as a safety point of view I actually have when I've went running in an evening which now it's light night so it's lovely but Winter, when I was running in the dark, I had the flashlight. So as you moved your wrist, it went with the movement of your wrist and the flashlight going on and off. So actually running with it, was, was I, I, I like using it. So all of the Epics range now, all three of those sizes have the little flashlight built in. Do you know, it's, it's funny because actually, I think about how often I use the lights on my phone, which is quite a lot. You know, it's just like yeah. you saying, coming to the house, no, it's dark. You, you yeah. need to see where the keyhole is, locking you up at work and this kind of thing. So I understand where you're saying, actually, you know, it's just handy right. to have that torch. It's there on your wrist and it's so, just yeah. a couple of buttons to, to bring it on. So it's it's not as gimmicky as people think, but yet to have that. Uh, mm. So that's one of the, that's probably not the main feature. But the other one is the, it's the new generation, fifth generation heart rate sensor, which... We haven't tested yet, but a Garmin are going to, obviously, they're always trying to improve. We assume it's going to give more accurate heart rate. I'll be honest, Andy, I don't think Garmin have tested it. In the presentation this morning, says, I don't really know how it's changed, but it's the new one. I went, okay, brilliant. So. But there's going to, I mean, every time something new comes out, they're always looking to improve yeah. the... I suppose we always say it's not medical grade when you talk about measuring uh, oxygen levels in my blood using pulse ox and heart rate. It's not a medical grade, but it's got to pass a certain standard and they're getting better all the time. So I think as we start using the watches and we get feedback from customers, it'll be interesting to see what the new generation heart rate monitor is that we've now got on the on the Epix 2. Yeah, and um, not a massive price increase. I know the Epix has just dropped a little bit in saleable value, but really the Epics was coming in at eight nine 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 nine, and I'm actually might impressed that this is now coming in at uh, nine two nine nine nine, which is just thirty pound price increase for those two extra features. And also, you've got to think there's been a big lot of inflation. I've been quite shocked that Garmin have managed to hold their prices yeah. over the last year when a lot of other retailers have been or manufacturers have been putting up the prices. So I'm quite impressed by that. Um, the the fifty one millimeter comes in at a thousand pounds. Um, so that's that's not a cheap watch, Andy. No, nope. <laughs> definitely not. I'm looking forward to hearing your pitch to your wife when you just justify a thousand quid watch. I know, well, yeah, but, but you know, you look again. It, you know, I've mentioned other brands. We shouldn't, you know. There's so many brands out there. There's lots of other smart watches, but we know Garmin are really good at doing the. It's that tough, robust a watch design for not just the smart features, the listening to music, getting it, getting messages through from your phone. It's the outdoor navigation and using it to record activities. And we want that good battery. We know a lot of other watches we hear customers talk about. I've had a different make of watch that's been more geared as a smart watch with fitness, obviously built in, AMOLED screen, and they're charging their watches every day or every couple of days. That's in some of these watches are a thousand pounds. I was looking at prices the other day. A customer mentioned one of these other brands that I mentioned, and they're a thousand pounds plus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that it's way out on price compared to some of the things we're comparing it against. 
but it's that really big battery life that we're getting on an analog screen watch. It is certainly the top end of the market, isn't it? Really, yeah. and you pay, you pay what you get. We all know Garmin's got a great pedigree in the watches. Mm. You know, we're kind of we're many many years into this generation. The functionality of the Epic is exactly the same as the Phoenix, but as Andy says, it's got this AMOLED uh, screen on it. So yeah, I think I think it'd be hugely popular. It's lovely to see it in that that larger version with 31 days of battery life. Yeah, and uh, and even when we talk, if you went for the middle one, the forty-seven mil, sixteen days battery, compared to what the other really top-end smartwatches, what AMOLED screens are doing, they're not doing sixteen days battery life, you know. And then it's when you start recording activities with it, and even then, when you look at the full specs on the website, it's still got great battery life for for recording activities as well. I think, I mean, I just briefly had a look at the, I think the 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 largest one. I'm sure with GPS only. That was 60 plus hours. That was me thinking of our Montaigne, mm-hmm. which is 60 hours. That was close to, it might, it might, it top me head, I think it was about 58 hours. You'd have, would have to double check that spec, but it's brilliant battery life for, um, on a GPS only on the bigger one, you know, with an AMOLED screen. Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant, so that's where we are with that. And then there's been an update with the Phoenix 7. So we now have a Phoenix 7 Pro, uh, which is again, it's been updated. They've still kept the, the normal, um, way of defining the size was an S version, the normal version, and then the X version. And um, yeah, the, the big change, and you'll be glad to hear, is the- We've all got a flashlight. We've got a flashlight. So, so you don't need just the X now for the flashlight. And then something I was quite interested in when I sat through one of these presentations, uh, they're saying that um, it no longer has the solar panel behind the glass. So on previous version of it, we had the solar around the edge of the screen, which was 100%. If people look at a Phoenix solar, had this solar around the edge, then there was a 10% um, behind, which some people commented, I saw a little bit online, people said the screen clarity wasn't as good with that as the non-solar, uh, as a, as a non-solar version. So what they've done now is they said, we can get the same um, power from the sun by just having the ring around the edge, and they've taken that 10% from behind the glass which I think is quite interesting because they're saying that they're not they're not pushing on that because actually they're saying that their older watch wasn't had the screen clarity that people expected. But actually, I think it, I think a lot of people will appreciate um, that better clarity of screen, especially on a watch coming in that price. Yeah. I mean, I was happy with my Phoenix 7X and the screen. You know, it's, this is the solar ones. Remember, we're talking about that. We stopped the solar sapphire. And I suppose I hadn't owned or seen a Phoenix 7 that didn't have the solar to compare. I was happy with it outside, but anything that's going to make something clearer and still give you the same solar charging from changing how it works because technology's improved is, is a good thing if we're going to have a clearer screen. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's not a lot of change in the Phoenix 7 Pro. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a, a soft up, update really and uh, keeps that going forward um, in, in the world of GPS watches. To find out more about the Epix Pro Gen 2 and Phoenix 7 Pro, please visit our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. GPS store on the top menu bar, then GPS watches. The next thing on the GPS Training podcast is the Garmin GPS Map 67 and Etrex SC. What have we learned to date? We'll start off with the 67 and 67 I, Andy, um, I know you've been using it extensively, or the, you've been using yeah. the 67i extensively, I've been using the 67 yeah. um, for a lot of our training walks. Um, so, yeah, what are your, what, what are the things you've, you've, you've yeah, caught up on? Again, it's not going to be a full review of this product. Uh, hopefully, you listen, if you listen to the podcast, you know when we've discussed what the key features are, which is really what we've learned over the last month or six weeks. Yeah. To me, it's been the battery life is great. 
Um, Garmin code figures are no way over 100 hours. Um, I like to use the unit to its fullest. So you've got to always remember when Garmin quote a figure on battery life, it's normally, that's not normally it is, it'll say in the spec GPS only. But we've got a unit here that now has multi-band and dual frequency. If we want the better accuracy, we want to pick up all the satellites we can and the dual frequency that improves if you sort of got a challenging environment like buildings to the side of your cliffs to the side of your deep tree coverage, why wouldn't we want to use that? So bear in mind that is going to reduce battery life. We're not suddenly you're going to get the 100 plus hours but using it in real life out there doing some pretty big hikes and some of them when I first got the unit were in horrible conditions you know I had sleet and snow in the Allendale Mountain Rescue Challenge you know, really cold wet you know a, lo a long slog day I think the unit was covered in peat bog when I'd finished still working fine and it was visibility was so poor on that event I was constantly, you know, bringing the screen on an awful lot. So the way we get the best, the battery life out of these units is always not having the screen on all the time. Fair enough, Garmin, don't quote a figure of how many times you bring it on, but just based on that real life scenario where I had all satellites on, multi-band, I was tracking for my own recording. I was navigating a route and also using the in-reach tracking. So those of you who've bought an in-reach device will know you can have family and friends tracking you. So doing all of that in those horrible conditions I would still say I was going to, you know, just worked out on that 12-hour day that I did that I was going to get 70, 80 hours, might even squeeze a bit more top. Because you never know if you're going to constantly bring it on as much. Temperatures are going to change and that. But I still think that's tremendous. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried that on paper it gives me a much higher figure because that is based on GPS only and possibly a slightly warmer temperature I was down to freezing conditions on some of these events, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing's got to be battery life, I think, Anyone who can get something that's 70 hours plus, regardless of what it says on paper, is going to be happy. I mentioned to you, actually, I was away this weekend just walking uh, the last section I needed to recce before the Spine Challenger race. And I did a 33-mile walk on Friday with it, uh, the 67. I, I navigated it and recorded my track. So I navigated a track, recorded a track through that walk. And I'll be honest with you, um, I got to the accommodation at 20 to 8 and I had a table booked for 8 o'clock. So I was in this mad rush, quick shower, get changed and, uh, and have an evening meal at Malamu actually that night. And um, I, I, I only realised when I went to the car on Sunday lunchtime, I was packing the car, I was running through my rucksack to, uh, to get something out of it. And I noticed my GPS was still switched on. So I switched on on Friday morning at... 8 to 8.30 in the morning. It had been navigating all day on the Friday. I had stopped navigating, saved my track. It had been left on all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and it still had 25, 33% battery life on it. It had been in the boot of my car, which is the worst place for a GPS unit, struggling to get a satellite signal. And I, I thought, my GPS is still on. It still had battery life. And I just thought, no, in the past with a GPS unit, if you switch the GPS on and put it in a drawer or put it in the boot of a car, it'd be flat literally within three or four hours. Because it uses it? more battery. Trying to, like when you're sitting in the house playing about in the nicest way possible with your unit, learning how to use it. If you haven't got a view of the sky and it's constantly trying to lock on the satellites, it does use more yeah. battery. So certainly in the boot of the car, it would have been struggling trying to find satellites. I was amazed. I thought I was absolutely dumbstruck, and uh, yeah, not even charged it yet. And I kind of think that's that's mighty impressive. I was really pleased by that. So yeah, I can probably agree with what you're saying about battery life other, you, other key things you picked up you, you, you missed the green light flashing on the top because that's something that I noticed on the older unit when the screen went off you didn't get, you just mm. had to think ah have I got my unit in battery save mode so actually talking about the battery life the night the thing I do like that John obviously missed was 
it's something new, but when the unit, the screen goes off to save battery, but it's still recording, it's, it's, it's sitting at the top of the unit. And if you've just chucked in the car, that's it. You're not looking at it, but it's quite handy when you're out and about. If I come, come, come to an afternoon and I'm looking at my unit, the top of the unit has a green LED flashing on it. So that's telling me it's in the screen save mode, but it's still actually on. I didn't tell you this, Andy, I switched my screen save off. I kind of, yeah, I thought. Uh, so that's why you didn't see it. I didn't see it because, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, we used to call it battery save with the old units, and now it's called screen save. And this is how Garmin is saying we've got great battery life. And I, I'm like Andy, I kind of sit there, do I really need 180 hours of battery life? Oh, okay. yeah. I don't. Yeah. So actually, I kind of thought, I'm going to use this GPS unit the way I want it, which is when I look at it, I don't have to keep tapping the top, the screen's always on. Yeah. And I'm that, that so the screen was, that's how I noticed. So I'm still getting that battery life for the screen on all the time. I mean, Joe, aside I've done it one of the other events I've done when I've been testing it I did because a customer did ask me about oh if I left the screen on all the time it was a customer who wanted to use it on a kayak mm -hmm. where it was going to be away from where they're um, paddling or using yours um, on, a, on some sort of bar on the kayak and he didn't want to keep having mm -hmm. to reach up um, and again I can't remember what figure I got I did quote the customer but it was again yeah. ridiculous you know it was multiple days of being out for 10 hours a day you know so no it was just, I mean that's just a little point so the, the battery life but you do get that green LED if you let the screen go off um, so that's great um, the other thing now I'm using the inReach version so what I really like with the inReach because my original one was that well I had the 86i which in essence was a 66i you didn't have the dual frequency and it, it wasn't multiband because it would pick up two sets of satellites but just two sets of satellites so what you've got now with the so with the non-inReach version the 67 it's multiband you're picking up a few sets of satellites together and dual frequency so like the 66SR that it replaced but now the i version the 67i as well is picking up that extra set of satellites now so we've got the three sets of satellites it's actually picking up the dual frequency as well and i have noticed a big difference i'm getting the accuracy down to you know with a good view of the sky sort of six foot now you know mm -hmm. and so so that's a, a great improvement so yeah fair enough on the standard 67 if you'd moved from a 66 sr you're probably going to find it very similar but those of you who have maybe had the 66 i version you're going to notice a difference in accuracy if you get the 67 i mm -hmm. Anything else on the 67 that you picked up on over the last uh, Something that I didn't see mentioned anywhere in the specs when they were talking about the differences that I discovered by chance, and we have added this on some new videos on the online course this week. When you go into the map manager, so you go into setup and maps, I've noticed now um, if there's an update for the TopoActive preloaded European maps, if you've linked your unit to your Wi-Fi at home, so you can link the unit to Wi-Fi, it'll prompt you and say, ah, there's an update for the maps. Do you want to buy, do it by Wi-Fi? So I did a little test with one of our demo units the other day that hadn't been updated because traditionally we would need a computer to update the map. So Garmin have moved on such a long way with the units now where really you can get away without a computer. But if customers ask me honestly with some of the older units, do I need a computer? You still needed a computer to update the preloaded maps. But with the new one, the 67 range, you can update the maps via Wi-Fi. And the other sneaky thing I noticed when I went into the maps in TopoActive, it then gave me a list of, you can download TopoActive maps for wherever else Garmin do them around the world. I noticed there was Australia, there was Taiwan, I think it was Japan, some areas in America. So any of the other TopoActive maps that Garmin do, you can download using Wi-Fi to the 67 series. You may need to put a memory card in, depending on the size of the map you're downloading, but 
that's something new. Yeah, that's quite good because if you go on holiday and you can, I'm not download the maps, and you potentially can just log onto Wi-Fi anywhere and just download those maps onto it, can't you? Yeah, spot on, and uh, there seems to be a good choice there. I did start one download, it was one of the smaller countries, it could have been somewhere like a Taiwan or somewhere, just to see how it worked, and it actually downloaded pretty quick. And on the video, I've shown you an option where you can say, download to internal storage, and it'll tell you if you've got enough or haven't, or you change it to say micro card, and then you would put a blank card in. Um, so yeah, that's really, um, I mean, the only other thing I've mentioned, which I know we talked about, uh, the difference from the older units, it now uses USB-C. So I do admit, when it, when it's a little bit dark and I've forgot to put my Garmin watch on to use the torch and I'm trying to put the cable in the back, the USB-C cable is a lot easier to go in the back than a micro cable because you can put it round either way around uh, on the seaside. So that is an advantage at the end of the day. Fantastic. So that's some things we've learned about the 67-67i. Now, I know since the last podcast, you've done the online resource for the SE, which is the ba- new base unit from Garmin. So this is yeah. Garmin Etrex SE, which is coming in at 149 the black and white unit, um, which um, has a bit of yellow on down the bottom. Um, I know you've done a full online resource. I don't know how many videos have you done. Have you done 50 videos or not? Or not I might be getting up to that, uh-huh. you know. I've still got a few more to, to do, but it's virtually there now. Um, any thoughts on, on what you learned when you've been doing those videos? Any, anything that's jumped out? Do you think that's pretty... So when we talk about the Etrex SE, this is the one that's really replaced, I suppose, the Etrex 10. So it's a little black and white budget unit, so you don't have maps on the screen. But for the price you get it for, the first thing I've looked at is the accuracy on it is brilliant. It's using the, the multiband again. It's actually picking up more sets of satellite than me 67. Now, I haven't seen it. Go, I, I think you get to that stage where you can't physically get any more accurate. But I've seen the little SE picking up the, I think it's... Was it four or five? It's either four or five sets of satellites. It's getting down to that six foot accuracy, the same as me 67. So the accuracy's got to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it hasn't got maps on the screen, but someone wanting something with really good battery life. So, with it being monochrome and the way the Garmin are improving the way all the electronics work in the unit with a double A um, set of batteries, the battery life is unreal. It goes on for days and days, but with that really accurate signal to give you an accurate grid reference um, or accurate track recording. 168 hours of battery life. I've just looked it over there. I'm, it's unbelievable. Double A batteries. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you, if people see my walk and talk on YouTube, I'm absolutely over the moon with this unit. I really am. I find, I'm finding it very, very hard at the moment because actually it's got such high spec or functionality compared to the other Etrex units. Definitely. So actually, you know, this is what I've been finding really hard. So for me, like, yeah, it's a black and white unit. The downsides, we don't get our maps on it. But the functionality of the unit... It's just, it's, it is, it is. I mean, when Garmin are moving in a great way, which I know we, we've already got with the watches and that, and, and, and it started coming in with the handhelds, we don't need a computer with it. So it's all geared up to using apps with it. So for sending routes to it, transferring anything that you've downloaded. So you plan a route on a more detailed OS um, map, it could be using an app. For, for, you know, there's so many apps out there. You've got our free GPS training planner. You've planned a route or you've downloaded a route from somewhere getting it on the unit now with the older e-trexes you needed a usb cable computer so of course it's using an app now which we cover on the videos so that makes it great um, mention the accuracy the battery life um on it is brilliant um i'll tell you the key thing i had when i bought with it the clarity of that screen because actually we're not got lots of colors in there it's just a clear black and white and the clarity of that screen is just unbelievable i mean i don't mean that 
people use unbelievable as a, a word like, not very often, but the clarity of that screen compared to watches or other units yeah. is second to none. Really. Now, I mean, some, why do I need someone without maps? I, we, we talked about this a little while ago when it first came out. We talk a lot about watches, and I know we're going to talk about some watches again later on, but some customers don't necessarily, a watch isn't for them, but they're doing a lot of these events, which are a lot like me and you doing the Monte and Spine now, and it might even be for the navigation. I don't get it, so I know that might seem crazy, but the unit's going to give you a, a grid reference. It'll give you an Ordnance Survey grid reference you can cross-refer with your paper map. Very accurate, but because of that long battery life, you can leave it turned on, tracking your activity. So a lot of these activities, what do we need to know? What speed are we walking at? Because you're timed on these events. We've got to get to checkpoints at a certain time. We need to know distance to the end of the of the route that we're navigating. So all that information is something that you just leave turned on. So someone who maybe doesn't want a watch, they don't want to spend that money on a watch that's going to track. Because the watches, as we know, to get that battery life of 60 hours plus, we're going to have to spend a lot of money but you want something that you can just strap on your rucksack turn it on start it tracking non-stop for 60 hours and sure how far you've walked what speed you're doing what's your average speed so people doing events who i'm not saying you're not going to use it for navigation because we will talk I'm, i've got a little tip i'm going to talk about that as well but you know you are going to see a line on the screen to follow but like all of the garmin units you're a triangle moving across the screen if you've sent a route to the unit you see yourself on top of that line if you're right on it if you go off to the side you see ah, i need to go off to the right to get back on it you're just not seeing the map so it's not that you're not going to use it for navigation but i think the tracking someone who's not wanting to spend the money on a watch that's going to give them 60 hours but wants something on all the time that was my thought when I, when I was out walking i thought of that. Do you know what if, if i was buying your what a unit or a watch would I spend £300 on the Garmin Instinct 2 or would I spend £150 on an E-Trex um, SE? Because actually the functionality is near enough identical. The SE has a larger screen on it, better clarity of yeah. screen. Yeah, it's not a watch. It doesn't have a flashlight. The Instinct doesn't have a flashlight anyway. And, and it's, a, it's quite a debate really because the functionality is very, very similar than what we saw on an Instinct watch. But we've got better battery life, better clarity of screen, and yeah, it doesn't do the fitness side of things. You can't not, link yeah. the heart rate to it. But see, a lot of customers will have a, in the nicest way, well, a cheaper smartwatch. They'll have a watch that's, you know, Garmin do watches that started, I'm sure, around about £100. I might be, you know, but that sort of lower figure. I know my daughter's got a watch where it gives a heart rate and, you know, she can get notifications from her phone. And it's certainly not a three £400 watch, you know. Um, so there's watches out there that a customer may already own, but they know if they're doing an event like a big, you know, 24 hour event or a long day, and they've got that watch on the whole time recording, battery life isn't necessarily going to last. So it's not about the stats and the heart rate. It's more about, I would say, yeah, the navigational stats to how far have I walked, how fast am I walking, how long is it to the end of this route, the sort of things we need to know on these big events with something that you can just leave turned on. Yeah. I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a cracking piece of kit. It's very different interface than what we've seen on other Garmin GPS units. It very much more looks like a more an in-reach mini, doesn't it, when we're navigating it around it? I think using the buttons on it, any of you who use an E-Trex, the joystick, I find the joystick fine, but I know some customers struggle. So it is button control, and um, it's got an electronic compass as well. I know that when we compare it to someone saying, oh, I had an E-Trex uh, 10, but you've got to be moving for it to turn the way you're heading and for the compass to work. Actually, on this budget unit, it does have, when you're standing still, the compass 
works it won't have to be moving it is a proper electronic three axis compass it's funny because we keep referring to I, like the e-trex and I, I say in my walking talk I said you know what the only difference between this and the e-trex 10 is it's yellow but it has a black and white screen yeah. other than that they're two completely different gps's aren't they i think the it, it's it's as i was actually speaking to someone on the phone just before we um as we came to record the podcast and i said I've so, we've sold more e-trex se's in the last six weeks than we've sold e-trex um, tens in the last six years and that is no exaggeration do you know what I mean because now I think it's a it's a really good quality GPS unit and I think people are seeing that I'll tell you what worked well um, geocaching as well now I know a lot of people will do geocaching on an app you know use your phone and that but for something that you know if you know I should <laughs> adults drop things as well I shouldn't you know I'm not, bla- I'm not blaming children for doing this but you know you, you've got a, a three four hundred pound iPhone and you've got a child who says oh, I want to go geocaching and then you're passing your very expensive phone and I know I'm sure most children will be very careful but I know what my daughter's like with her phones that's why they're all in big chunky rubber cases because she is a bit clumsy with them so to put geocaches on it and you can actually do the geocaching live so again it goes back and you don't need a computer now if you link it to your phone it's an app on your phone you then say download the closest i think it, it's something like the closest 10 geocaches to you download using um, mobile data from the app and then you've got the geocaches on this device that can't be thrown around is waterproof is tough and yeah again you haven't got the map on the screen but that's the whole fun with anyone who does geocache know it you just get a line counting you down in distance till you find your treasure your geocache so actually for geocachers it's a nice little budget unit that you know you're going to be happy to pass it on anyone to use they're not going to break it you know i think yeah both superb gps so yeah garmin e-trex sc 149.99 certainly worth a consideration i said we're, we're massive fans of it um, so to find out more about the both Garmin GPS Maps 67, 67i and E-Trex SE, please do go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk and click on GPS Store on the top menu bar, then Handheld GPS Units. Next thing on this month's GPS Training Podcast is an update on the Motorola, Motorola sorry, Defy, the budget satellite communicator. I put this on because I think... Uh, I've I just want to give people a bit of background. This is a new two-way satellite communicator, which is coming out hopefully this month. We promised it in the middle of June, Andy. Were yeah. We not promised it in the middle of May yeah. and April. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I'm just looking at the date. Yeah, thirty-first of May. So yeah, first of June if you. It's a, it's a two-way satellite communicator, which is coming in at one hundred and fifty-nine pound ninety-nine with a one-year contract on it. So the contract's. £59.99 for the unit. You can't buy the unit as a standalone product anymore. Um, you have to buy it in with the contract. Um, we said it, yeah, it's too good to be true. It's something we've talked about for many months. It's been mentioned on the podcast. I was a bit sceptical last uh, last month on the podcast saying, oh, is it going to be as good as it is? Well, last Thursday, I met um, with Anthony Ammon uh, from Bullet. Uh, Bullet are the company who have created this uh, new two-way satellite communicator. And I did some recording with them uh, for a walk and talk, which actually went live yesterday, if you're listening to the podcast on the 1st. So it went live on the Wednesday of this week. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm over the moon with it. I absolutely love it. I've got the app on my phone. I've downloaded the app. I've, I've used the product. It's, it's um, yeah, it is too good to be true. Um, 
you know, I suppose I'm you've not really seen an awful lot of it. Really, just seen the the spec of it. I think it'll populate the website more than likely when you put it on. Um, yeah, I suppose. What what are your thoughts on it? Or I know I've kind of spent a bit of time with it. But. I think really it's given people peace of mind and safety, and not costing an arm and a leg. So anyone who's out walking in the hills, I think more targeted to the day walker because we know it's a really small, light, compact unit. From the pictures I've seen, I know you've had it in your hand. Clip it onto your rucksack. Um, it's not going to massive battery in it, so it's not going to go days and days like some of the other products we sell, but they cost three, four times as much, you know. So I think someone on a budget who just wants that peace of mind, they're going out for a day's walk where they know there could be bits of that walk where mobile signal might be sketchy and what was, if something was to happen, can I, not necessarily SOS to Mountain Rescue, but can I message friend or family member and say, not feeling very well, can you come and pick us up? And being able to do something like that and not cost an arm and a leg. So when John mentions £159, bear in mind that as a whole year's contract, there's nothing to pay a month. So that includes, um, I don't know if you know the figure, the message. 30 messages, or 30 yeah. messages a month. Isn't 30 it? messages a month. So that's messages using satellite, not mobile data. So with the app, I know I've already read up on this and you've been using it, but like some of the other devices, we sell the app is paired with the device. So as long as your phone's got some battery charge in it, you can use the app to send a text message but if, if your phone's got no mobile signal it's sending it via satellites so you can let family and friends know you need some help but more importantly if you were to have an accident or someone else you came across had had an accident you got no mobile signal even if your phone was dead it's got a standalone SOS button on it that you press and that summons emergency services yeah we actually press the SOS button in a demo mode it's actually quite impressed uh, on the app it takes you through a number of questions so actually it takes a, a triages that's what they call it they triage you ask you a number of questions about the situation you're in what where we are etc uh, well not where we are but what what the instance is I, I was mighty impressed I put a screenshot of that in the video um, and I, I'm I say I'm over the moon with it um, I actually over the weekend after I did the recording on Thursday and Edit, I thought I need to just get my head to grips with where we are with it and people don't know on our website when something's out of stock or it's coming to stock people can put their email address in I can honestly say I've never seen so much interest in any product in all my life yet yeah, people could question well actually Garmin as he did Yesterday, they just come out with a product on the day and everybody knows about it, where we've known about this for a number of months. That's why people have put it in. But actually, there's a phenomenal interest from people waiting for it. Again, I'm unsure how many are UK-based, how many are overseas. But actually, I've actually ordered 50 of these to arrive on the day of the launch, yeah. which I would not like, don't normally do anything like that. Like a box of 50, I think they'll sell no that quick. I honestly yeah. will. I think it will change it. I think... And he's completely right. I don't think the in-reach would be pushed out of the market for those people who want to cross the Atlantic, the people who are using the Himalayas, want that extra security, the Iridium, which is the high-orbit satellites. But I think for your day walker in this country or going into Europe... We haven't, got full, we haven't got full world coverage yet. We've all. not, no. No, but it's very much satellite the same. If you look on their website, we'll show you the satellite coverage of which areas it does. And a satellite has a footprint on a particular area. But he said it's not for the Atlantic crossover. It's for that person who may do a bit of sea kayaking off the coast of Britain. And you need to be aware of yeah, these. Yeah, because it doesn't go right out to the sea. It's yeah. But for the someone in the UK, we know 100% we've got the coverage on land and I think was it was it not all of Europe on land yeah as well? all of Europe yeah, yeah and, and Australia and America key thing I, I I never really thought of until I was with the guys is the geostationary so I know Andy's done some videos about how quickly the inReach and Zolio send and receive messages if people don't know the Iridium satellites which they use was the high orbit satellites they move across the sky and I know some people said actually 
sometimes it sends quicker, sometimes it doesn't, depending on where the satellites in the are. What the Motorola is doing is it's it's using a fixed satellite in the sky. So it's a bit like your sky satellite dish. It's always fixed point. So once you log on to that, it's actually always logged onto it. So actually it sends and receives messages a lot quicker because it knows so where it's like looking. So used to when we've got a full mobile Exactly phone right. So it sends it a lot quicker rather than the Iridium, which looks for satellites crossing crossing the sky. So that was one of the things I picked up on it. Again, um, I, I was out with the guys. I was hugely impressed on it. I'm really looking forward. To, I, I'll guarantee the day they launch, I'll be out. Well, we'll be out. And, oh, you'll be out. And this will be out and giving it like pushing it to its, to its full potential and just seeing how, how, how accurate that is. I tell you, a customer posed a question to me a while ago and it's just got me thinking about this device. What they'd said is um, they were out in the hills and they weren't feeling very well, but it wasn't a mountain rescue call, but they had no mobile signal. And the worry was that they wouldn't, it's one of those, it was that, do I, do I ring mountain rescue? I'm really feeling a bit unwell, but I'm sure if I get a friend to meet me somewhere, I'll be okay. So on the phone, they knew that if they dialed 999, potentially if there was another, so say they were, I've forgotten what network they're on, it's irrelevant really to the, so say they were on EE, they know that if they went 999, if Vodafone was in the area or O2, they would have got the 99 call through or you've got the text so you can do. But really they were in that sort of half and off, I don't really need mountain rescue and that, you know, I am feeling a bit unwell, but I need to, I want a family member to come and meet me somewhere. How am I going to get in touch with them? So it's not always thinking it as an SOS. It's, well, actually my network's not working. So even though I might be able to ring 999, it's not really a 999 situation. I can now text a family member and say, I'm feeling a bit unwell. I've got no mobile signal. Can you come and pick me up at such and such, I'm going to be there in half an hour as I walk down the hill. So I think it's using it for that peace of mind, you know. I think so. I think it will. I think I think it will. I think be very interesting when it comes out. I think a lot of people now with this product will be introduced to two-way satellite communication. Whether they move up the ladder and go to an in-reach later on, um, that that will see yeah. what happens. But I think I think it's a great piece of kit. Again, have a look at the video. Um, which is on our website. Again, it's on the actual product page as well, or alternatively in the um, on, on the walk and talk uh, section on our website. Next thing on this month's GPS Train podcast is Chorus Watches. So, Chorus Watches, Andy, something we've just started stocking the last couple of months. I know you've been in the online resource on it. Um, it is, yeah, a nice, nice piece of kit, isn't it? Yeah, so Chorus um, is a brand that's been going a, a few years now. Um, Chorus really came out as a product where they, they looked at what was out there and wanted to watch that was really good at the sort of the, the sports side, the outdoor sports side. So likes more the trail running, the sort of stuff we get involved in. So your trail running and yeah, a bit of navigation, but really at those stats for a trail runner or a runner. They knew there was, I mean, Chorus will you know, tell you themselves, you, there's podcasts available you can watch where they talk about, you know, they're not gonna try and take the world on, like take Apple on who have got the smart side, or Garmin have got, different type of products that do so many other things than just the the fitness and the outdoor sports they really wanted to concentrate on giving a good priced reliable robust watch with the sports features the outdoor sports features that's what i think they initially went for if you look at how the watches work so with the coros range i mean i came across it through friends of mine who were using them that looked for an alternative where they wanted something with some quality materials and decent battery but couldn't afford some of the alternatives and they came across Coros and they've been using the brand for a number of years 
and they were giving me good feedback. So we, we, we took a look at the brand. I actually got a lend of a watch before we took the brand on. So within this Chorus brand, they actually do sort of, I suppose you could say three ranges. They do something called the Pace. That, not to say we won't stop in the future. That's their budget watch that has very basic navigation. It's more just the stats for a runner. And they have um, the top of the range Vertex, which is a bigger, chunkier sort of watch does a bit of everything. We've went for the range in the middle. We just thought it fitted in nicely with what we already do. So we're stocking, um, so from the Coros brand, it's the Apex 2 and the Apex 2 Pro. They're the two we currently stock. It's not to say we won't move on to the other products, but that's what we're concentrating on at the minute. They're mid-priced two watches. So are we gonna, or should we compare it to Garmin or not? Or is that an unfair thing See, to I'm do? Not, a lot of people out there, is it better than this? Is it better than that? I mean, people do that with all products, you know? And it's like we've just talked about the Motorola product. We're not saying, is it better than the Garmin? Or is it, it's, it's different. It's a cheaper product. It's for a different type of market because it's for the day walk and not the, I'm going three weeks across the Atlantic. So the way I look at the Coros watches that we're stocking, the Apex 2 Pro and the Apex, it's given customers an alternative choice for something where they're wanting something like, I'll just give it like, this isn't a direct comparison. There's so many things you see people trying to compare it to. But if we want a watch that is going to do lots of recording of fitness stats, got a decent heart rate monitor on it, be made of a you know a decent tough material, used for some navigation, have some mapping on it, would potentially would be looking at the Phoenix range. This is colour screen, remember, as well. I know Garmin have some other watches that are on colour screen. So if I looked at a bog-standard Phoenix 7 watch, not the Sapphire version, I'm just looking price-wise initially, coming in around £559. So if I was comparing it, and it's a difficult one because I know that Phoenix 7 has lots of extra features that not everyone needs, but we're paying more money for that premium feature, I suppose, extra smart features. So I'm comparing it to something like the Apex 2 Pro at 449. So we've got a £110 saving there, which is a lot of money at the end of the day. But what we're looking at is a better battery life on that Apex 2 Pro compared to the Phoenix 7. And it's a lighter watch and it's a sapphire screen. So it's someone saying, well, I want that premium. I want the screen that's not going to scratch. I want it to be lightweight, the titanium bezel. I want it to be colour. Um, I want good battery life. So when we talk about good battery life, just to give you an idea where I'm coming from. This is uh, the figures I've written down. Oh, I'm actually as a smartwatch, even though I'm pretty sure it's something like thirty days on the Apex Two Pro. But for recording GPS only, well, actually with the, with the Apex Two Pro, the Corus, it's two satellites, GPS and QZSS. So two satellites. We're getting about seventy-five hours battery life. So if I compare that to say a Phoenix Seven with GPS only at fifty-seven hours. We've got better battery life. Weight-wise, now I know this is with a nylon strap and you could, in theory, change your garment to a nylon strap, but the standard nylon strap that it comes with, it's coming in at 53 grams, whereas the Phoenix 7 is 79 grams. And the standard 7 that I'm talking about for 559 doesn't have a sapphire screen or the titanium. So I think that's where we're coming from. It's given someone, yes, if we start really getting nitty gritty and down to other features, which are more like smart features to do with music, being able to pay for goods in a shop, the Garmin has that, has that turn by turn routing that may, I've heard rumors may come to the chorus, but you're paying that extra for it. So that's where I'm looking at it. It's given customers something with some quality material, some great battery life, uh, and, and uh, an excellent app 
Um, and that's the initial thoughts, and that's why we looked at bringing the watch in, just so we have an alternative, you know. I'm, I'm mighty impressed by it, it's, it's it just, yeah. It's simple and straightforward with quality. It feels like quality on your wrist as well, doesn't it? The functionality of it, it's easy to navigate around. You know, I've been using a lot of my training walks, you know, navigating, um, um, like measuring my distances, navigating those courses and things. Like that. I, I, I've been hugely impressed by it, really. And, and a lot of watch for not a lot of money. It's still a lot of money, of course, it is. But actually, it's only X, X pound above an instinct to solar. That's the way I look at it. You, you're getting a colour screen, navigational GPS watch for not much more than an Instinct yeah. 2 Solar. So I think it's a, it's a, I've been mighty impressed with it so far. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, the two that we've got, the Apex 2 Pro and the Apex 2. So the main difference is with the Apex 2 Pro, it has the dual band frequency. So both of them have multi-band. So even the Apex 2 picks up five sets of satellites. But the difference is with the Apex 2 Pro, we've got the dual band for that more challenging environment. The Apex 2 Pro has the bigger battery life. It's a slightly bigger watch, slightly heavier. Um, and the Apex 2 Pro comes preloaded with um, the some landscape mapping for all over the world. Um, you can then add some slightly more detailed maps. Now, I'm going to be honest, the maps aren't as detailed as a Garmin mm -hmm. map. Things may change. Again, callers seem very much taking feedback from customers. They seem very amicable about discussing, you know, features that customer, you know, they can't do everything, you know. But people seem to get, you know, from what I've found and from comments I've made, good feedback from them that they do take things on board and things may change and be added. But you are getting a colour map on the screen. It does give you information, um, you know, rather than just having a black and white screen, you know, it does help. The screen's brilliant in the sunlight. It's a nice clear screen to see. We can follow a route on it. I can get a grid reference on it. I can. It's got an altimeter. It's got a compass. It's got all the things we'd expect of a navigational watch. Loads of activities you can record with all of the fitness data, the heart rate monitor. We're getting all of the stats. It, it, it like I say, quality material. Um, the, where you get the Apex Two standard one, the change with that one is with it's a lighter watch. It's ten grams lighter. It's slightly smaller. So that one's actually only coming in at forty-two grams. So it's really light. And it doesn't have the dual band, but it still has five satellites, giving you 30 hours battery life. Or if you pick the two satellites, GPS and QZSS, 45 hours with the Apex 2. But remember, the Apex 2 is only coming in at £349, and it still has a sapphire screen and a titanium bezel. I'm impressed. I've said I've been, I've been walking extensively. I'm really quite impressed with it. And as well, just having the fabric band on it, I think it makes it nice and comfy. Yeah. Rather than that bulky band, it? it keeps the weight down a lot. And, and I'm a bit like you. I'm not a massive wrist, so actually it doesn't feel like a big watch on your wrist, does it? Like some of the yeah. other watches. So. And we've just, you know, I've just started putting the online resource videos together. So if you were getting interested in Apex Pro. Um, two Pro, sorry, an Apex Two watch. There will be online videos there. We haven't. We've just sort of started. I think I've done the first dozen videos. I'd held back a little bit because one nice thing is, very like Garmin have the, the Connect app, and I know other manufacturers have have apps. I have a great app where you sync all your stats to, it and it's had a massive upgrade. So we held off a little bit doing the videos because we thought if we do all the videos, we knew the upgrade was coming, and then they would all have to be changed. And looking at the app, um, you can plan routes on the app. It's not as detailed as an OS map, but it's actually quite nice. It's really easy to use. But what I like, one thing I found about this app, which I found easier than other apps, for adding what we call course points or waypoints into your route. Not individually, it doesn't seem to have the function to send just a single waypoint to your watch. But when you're planning a route or 
you've imported a router, like you're still in the Montaigne Spine. So it's very, very easy to import a GPX file into it. You can then add course points, which can be like feed stations, um, checkpoints into that route. And when you're navigating with a watch, a bit like I know that was added to some of the top end Garmin watches, but you can actually scroll down the screen and it tells you your distance to that next checkpoint or water station. And I just found that much easier on that app than other apps I've used to actually amend a route you've imported and put course points on with like water stations, feed stations, etc. Good stuff. So hopefully, well, hopefully a walk and talk, we'll get out and do some videos of us out walking with a product. But again, to date, um, Andy and I, mighty impressed. We've been wearing it now for, yeah, well, you've been wearing it for a couple of months now. I've been yeah. wearing it for a month, I would say. And I'm, I'm, I say I'm, I'm mightily impressed by it. And uh, I think we're both going to wear it for our race, aren't we, Andy? I think that's our, that's our decision. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, I mean, just, go, you know, when we talk about genuine battery life, a couple of the bigger events that I've done in the last couple of months when I've been training with the Apex Summit, I've got the Apex 2 Pro. I changed it to GPS and QZSS only. Now, I know that's not quite as accurate, but I've been pretty happy with what it's recorded. And just based on the events I've done, I've looked at that 75 hours, and this is my heart rate on as well, and navigating the course, and I thought, I'm not going to be far off that 75 hours. Um, I don't, you know, I think potentially I might even, sometimes I look at it and think, oh, I'm going to get a bit more than the 75 hours, but I know it depends how many times you bring the screen on or leave it on the map screen. But I think we're going to be close to those figures that I quote, and which, let's face it, Montaigne, we've got 60 hours to do it in. So I'll be pretty happy um, if I can get the 60 hours, which I think I'm pretty sure I will with the watch. It's quite nice of a product where that's actually kind of giving battery life what we'd expect to get, isn't it? Normally with Garmin, we're going to go, oh, I'll knock a little bit off that. But it's actually quite nice with Core. It's a bit refreshing to kind of get battery life, and we're both getting around what 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 the, the what they're saying we should do as well. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So if you want to know more about the Chorus Watch, just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on GPS Store on the top menu bar and then GPS Watches. And you'll see the two products that Andy has been rightly talking about, which is the Chorus Apex 2 and the Chorus Apex 2 Pro. And the Apex 2 Pro has the maps on, doesn't it? Yeah, so the Apex 2 Pro um, comes preloaded with the maps, but with both of the watches, um, I should have actually said this as well, this is something they added to the app, you don't need a computer. When the first came out, you needed a computer to put the maps on, but now using Wi-Fi, you can pick tiles, areas that you want, and download the topo and the landscape maps directly from the Chorus app onto the two watches. So the Apex 2 Pro already comes preloaded with some base maps, and then you can add the extra ones, whereas the standard Apex 2 doesn't come with the maps, but it's dead easy. Um, I've got those videos still to add to the online resource. I'll be doing them in the coming weeks, but it's easy to add them from the app. Fantastic. Brilliant. Next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Andy's top tips. So, start up for the Garmin GPS map 67. Andy, what's your top tip for that? Something we don't often talk about that's available for a lot of new handhelds is something called the Garmin IQ Store. So, when you sync pair your Garmin handheld with the Garmin Connect app, there's also another app called the Connect IQ Store, something we do use quite a bit with watches. So a lot of customers who own Garmin watches will know this app. You can download loads of different watch faces, data fields, and other things for your watch. You sometimes forget about it for the handhelds. Now, we've been talking a lot about the battery life on the 67, and I know John asked me this question a little while ago. He said, 
how are you coming up with this these exact figures of i've got 50 percent battery left and 70 percent battery left when normally you only get that when you come home and plug it in and you see the percentage on the screen of the gps it's because i found a great widget that you download from the garmin iq store to your gps map 67 so in a nutshell pair your 67 with the garmin connect app on your phone search for the garmin connect sorry the garmin iq app on your phone and download that once it's paired with your 67 there's an option in the app to search for apps widgets data fields etc it's actually called a widget called the battery widget with automatic charge detection what that does rather than you just seeing the little bars at the top of your 67 unit showing roughly what you know i've got half a battery left i've got one bar left which really doesn't give you an accurate figure if you go to the iq garmin iq app on your phone search for battery widget with automatic charge detection it's the one that comes straight up say you want to download that to your 67 it then syncs the app syncs with your gps map 67 and once it's on your unit it took me a while to find out where it was because i wasn't sure where widgets go but on your 67 if you add this widget when you turn your unit on and it's turned on you tap the power button once and you get to that shortcut screen where you can adjust your backlight brightness and um, when you're on that screen you tap your right hand arrow on the key on the arrow m pad and that takes you to any widget so i've only got the one widget on mine so i'm assuming if there was more than one widget you'd keep pressing the arrow to the right and it would scroll through them so basically i've actually got my unit on now so if i tap the on off button once and tap the right arrow button i've got a widget on the screen that says battery level 88 percent roughly gives me a time remaining and even tells me when it was last charged so it's a nice little thing just to add to your 67 if you want to keep an eye on battery life and have a more precise figure fantastic so again um talk about the iq widgets there's lots of other widgets in there so if any finds of any useful widgets let us know and we can mention them in the next month's podcast E-Trex SE, Andy, what's your top tip for the E-Trex SE this month? So, yeah, we talked about the SE not having maps on the screen, but the way you use the SE to send routes to the unit, which we have on the online course, you pair it with something called the Garmin Explore app. Now, the nice thing with the Explore app, it works standalone. What I mean by that is once you've got the app on your phone or potentially you could have it on a tablet, like I tested last night actually with my wife's iPad in the E-Trex SE, but normally you would have it on a phone on your mobile phone android or iphone so you put that explore app on one of the options in the app is you download maps for all over the world so wherever you want maps for you can download them to the app and then they stand alone they download to the memory of your phone now fair enough they're not going to replace our ordnance survey maps in in great britain but you still have a, a decent topographical map on the screen of the app now where i'm going with this is if you then pair your eTrex SE with the app, which is how we show you on the videos on the online course to send GPX files to your unit. One thing I hadn't thought about is, one of the options is in the sync options is sync your current activity. So if you have that turned on, when you start track recording on your SE and it's paired with your phone, now bear in mind, you can let your phone screen go off as normal. You don't want to use the battery of your phone and be standing there with your phone and the map on the screen. But anytime you open up the app and you're recording on the SE, it will show your location on the Garmin map, but it's syncing the GPS data from the SE unit and not your phone. So it's not draining your phone GPS. Uh, if you use the, sorry, the GPS satellite location from your phone, that uses a lot more battery. It actually uses the GPS location from the SE. 
So it's just worth, you know, I think if you're going to use this unit, you're going to want to put the app on. And most of my videos covered sending routes to the unit using the app. But I'm going to add some new videos in the coming days showing actually if you start recording and then actually if you navigate a course on your eTrex SE, it even shows that course on the map as well. So even if it's just every now and then, you could bring the app on and you're seeing yourself on the screen of the of the the map on the app but the gps data that very accurate signal is taken from your sa unit since next when i was seven i deliver a gps training course i said majority of the time i navigate on the compass page a big arrow i don't even spec so i can see that but actually when the arrow is pointing in the wrong direction i jump onto my map page to see why it's pointing in the wrong direction from what you're saying with this se actually i'm following a big arrow on my gps unit 99 percent of the time it's pointing in the wrong direction i could jump onto the app yeah. on my mobile phone utilize that map to understand where i've gone wrong and actually that's kind of a, a solution to to get around that issue i mean it only it? needs the bluetooth so you could in theory on your phone if you're not waiting for any urgent calls or anything put your phone in airplane mode and then just turn on bluetooth so it's not using wi-fi on your phone or anything else it's just using the bluetooth because it doesn't need wi-fi for the maps it doesn't need the GPS position fix from your phone, it's using that from the SE. It does just need the Bluetooth connection. I'm not saying let, yeah, keep your phone on the whole time with that and walk with the phone, because then you're gonna end up draining the, the battery of your phone, but it's there as a, every now and then, it might just be sitting down for a break, let's stop, let's pair the app again, let's get the app open, it'll pair automatically if you've already paired it the once, and then you'll see yourself on the screen, um, on the Explore app, on, on the map. Very good, Do you know the SE just keeps getting better and better on you, doesn't it? Yeah. And the final top tip is for the Chorus Apex 2 watches. So what's your top yeah. tip for the Chorus? So, um, it's been a bit more of a learning curve because it's a different watch to what we've used before. Um, once we've got into it, I found the Apex 2 watches really easy to use. But when I first started using it, there was one bit that was frustrating me and I thought, I was, am I doing something wrong? Is there something wrong with the watch? But now I've actually sussed out what's happening. Um, it's really straightforward, but it's just a tip for anyone who's, you know, already got an apex watch out there so many customers have only bought watches from us will appreciate this tip and it'll be something i will be adding onto the coming videos so the way the apex 2 watch work i like this feature that it automatically you, you you can turn this off but normally we have them set as default so when you're recording an activity so it could be a run a trail run a hike it locks itself after five seconds so i know i can do that with a garmin as well so the way that happens on a garmin if i put the lock on it stops any button presses. So whatever screen you've left it on, it stays on that screen. The idea of having a, a lock on any device is to stop you accidentally moving the screen to something you didn't want, or more than likely stopping your recording. That is one of the worst things I've done when we watch where I haven't locked the screen and because of the way I've been moving about and climbing up, scrambling up rocky surfaces and over styles, I've accidentally moved my wrist and stopped the recording. So what I like about the chorus, default setting, five seconds, the watch locks but the scroll wheel so this is in there, it's got a scroll wheel that i think do we get the scroll wheel on apple watches mm, Have a feel, i don't know someone did say to me that other smart watches mm. use this scroll wheel i quite like those mm. even with gloves on i've been able to turn the scroll wheel so i can turn the scroll wheel and move between the data boxes and the map screen but i can't accidentally stop the recording because you have to hold the button in for a few seconds and then you have to hold it in again for a few seconds to stop your recording so that was my first point but where i'm going with this this is the tip what i found that was frustrating me initially so if i'm if i've unlocked the watch you hold the button in the scroll wheel button in for a few seconds to unlock it and then you scroll down using the scroll wheel past your data boxes and you get to the map 
if you want to zoom in the map, especially you know if you're navigating a course, this is at the same time. You tap the scroll wheel button once and you see a plus and minus on the screen with the little scroll wheel symbol. You then use the scroll wheel to zoom in and out. So say you zoom in, go right, I've zoomed in, I can see where I am. If you let, let it lock before hitting the bottom right hand back button, what happens if you want to then scroll to another screen, all it wants to do is zoom in and out even though it's locked. So my tip is before it locks, so you've zoomed in, you're happy, just tap the back button and you'll know you've done it correctly because the plus and minus disappears off the screen. And then when it locks up, you can continue scrolling down to the other screens. If you forget to do it, my tip is, um, if you suddenly see it's locked and you've still got the plus and minus on the screen, just hold the scroll wheel button in until you um, unlock it and then hit the back button once. Mm -hmm. And that's how to do it. If you have hit the back button once, this is the only, that you're getting two tips for one here. You hit the back button once and the plus and minus disappears off the screen. Because some of the watches then use the back button to move to different screens. Remember with the course, it's a scroll wheel. Don't make the mistake of pressing the back button again because what it does on the map if you're navigating the route, it's a good, it's an actual proper feature. If you want to zoom right out and see a complete overview of your whole route, which will obviously zoom out really far, that's what the back button does a second time once the plus and minus has disappeared. So there's a few times I thought, why have I zoomed out really far on the map? It's because I pressed the back button to come out with the plus and minus and then accidentally pressed it again. And all I need to do is use the scroll wheel if I want to move to a different screen. Fantastic. If people don't know in the online resource, we keep talking about the online resources, our, our online training platform, which has training videos on all the units that we sell and also the watches. Well, I'm here and saying I'm working on it for the Chorus watches. We've on the SC67. We've been updating these GPS map series training resource for that as well. So if you do get a chance, have a look at the online resource. There are some free videos in there. But again, if you want full access to all the videos, which are often about 50 per watch or per unit, uh, you'll see Andy actually going through some of the things he's been describing here in the podcast. So just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on online resource on the top menu bar, and you can sign up for a free access to the online resource. And what we tend to do is if there's 50 videos, we'll give you access to the first six or seven or something along those lines. And then if you like what you can see, you can pay 50 pounds year you get full access to them as well so again if you do sign up to the online resource it also helps us know it's how we make our living is the online resource so if you can support us by uh, again paying for access to the online resource it, we really do appreciate it here at gps training just remember you buy any of these products from us we're talking about the chorus watches the garmin etc you get that online resource free for a year with access to all the videos you know exactly right and you get telephone and email support andy as well because yeah, so we're wearing all the products and using them email or telephone support you know if you have to speak to us we've got the product either on our wrist or in a bag we can talk you through what you need to do exactly right <laughs> And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. And again, please do get in touch, especially if you're thinking about buying GPS unit or you would like to come on our physical training courses around the country or come on our online training courses more than likely over Zoom um, or the online resource, which we've been talking about. If you can tell a friend about the GPS Training Podcast and subscribe on whatever platform you can, uh, you, you listen to, that is also very much appreciated. Many thanks, Andy, for joining us. Thank the you. next podcast is going to be in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. And we'll be talking at depth, in depth as Andy will be passing on his wisdom to myself, head of the Spine Challenger race, what he learned last time, what he's going to do different this time. And then will we have race numbers by then or not? Oh, we might have, actually, because I think 
last time, yeah, I'm sure I, three or four a week before I already knew my number. Good. And the tracking link, I'm sure. So we'll have we'll have numbers to follow, um, and then also tracking links. Um, again, sign up to the GPS training newsletter because there will be a newsletter going out at the Spot the Spine Challenge with our numbers on, and uh, you can then follow us for that event. But you're all going to wait for. I suppose it's going to be a week on Wednesday, week on Thursday. We'll release that podcast, Andy. And um, head head down and don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> head down till you get to the end. <laughs> Is that it? That's Andy's wisdom on the Spain challenge. The, 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 pubs, the pubs we opened at the end because the pub had been closed, I think, for a year. So I've forgotten the name of it now. But at Hard Road, the pub, there's a lot of stuff on the Pennine Way sort of forums and that that. Everyone's congratulating that the pubs reopened at Hard Row so we can have a celebratory drink at the end. So that's what we're aiming for. I think I'll be sleeping at the end, to be honest, a celebratory drink. Okay, uh, thanks everybody for listening to the latest GPS training podcast again. Uh, if we can help you in any way, please don't hesitate and get in touch. And uh, we'd love forward to catching up with you in the next couple of weeks. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.